once came another man. Style of tall. Go ahead. I'll be honest. I, I played a very high standard. Young uh, superstar. Give some lessons. Determination. Was extremely... Welcome to the Chess Underground. Eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. And I felt be Welcome back to the Chess Underground March 2021. This will be the final installment of our second season, which is titled Tournament Life. We've visited with a lot of tournament directors. We've visited with some online platform providers. We've talked about the candidates tournaments. This has been all about tournament life. And I cannot think of a better guest to wrap this season up with, to send us on our merry way than the one and only Judith Starre, who is here with me today and who I will let introduce ourselves. Judith, welcome. Thank you so much, Pete, and thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so honored and humbled by your request, and I was so happy to say yes. And yes, I mean, what a year. It's been almost exactly uh, one year uh, when we shut down, basically, the whole country shut down. And we had. Yeah, it, feel, it feels very fitting, right? That, that one year mark. <laughs> yeah, truly <laughs> fitting. Let's just send tournament life back to normal, right? Yeah, tr truly if fitting. If only it were that easy. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember it was um, two days ago, was the March 15th when we learned, okay, yeah, we can't go into mechanics anymore. My daughter's SATs were canceled and everything. And and it was a lot of change in March, so that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and here we are a year later, um, over the board, chess is ground to a halt. Internet chess has stormed <laughs> uh, yep. on, onwards and upwards. And um, wow, what, what a year it has been indeed. Yeah, it, it was it was very fun, very energizing from our perspective. And obviously, it's hard. It's hard to cope with the the isolation with the not going not able to go to anywhere and not able to touch a piece and play with others across the board. But um, it also provided such an opportunity for us to show that we are a really tight chess community and we can if we really need to we can invent some ways and and come together online and keep the spirit of of the chess and chess community and i think um where i work mechanics institute is one of a prime example but there are other many other chess clubs um, around the nation which are doing the exact same thing so it's really good to see everyone that's awesome so, so judith i know you in particular in this tight community that you mentioned, have been extremely active, uh, both from a directing standpoint and organizing standpoint. Could you just shed a little bit of light on some of the projects you've been involved in during this time, some of the more major events and things that you, I, I know uh, a complete list would, we'd be here forever, <laughs> but maybe just some of the, some of the major, the, the highlights. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm not sure how many of you know, but I'm from Hungary. So we basically live and, and breathe chess. So from, from being raised um, in Hungary, like I know chess, but I've never been a chess player, a serious chess player before, like 
not not even now actually. And um, I have three daughters, very similar to the Polgar sisters, although they are a lot more <laughs> not involved with chess that much. Obviously not that dedicated, but I got involved in chess and I'm really lucky to be drawn to the organizing part of chess because I have good um, uh, ability for details and attention to details and organizing. And I love interacting with players, with customers. So that's that's my um, forte. And and I'm really lucky that I was I am a part of a chess club, the oldest chess club in the U.S., um, the Mechanics Institute Chess Club. Um, and when the nation shut down, um, they were receptive of just let's go online and let's basically transition everything. So um, right after, at basically the week after it got shut down, we were back online and running free tournaments on chess.com so that everyone can um, acclimate it to the online platform. And and over the year, in the past 12 months, there has been several um, tournaments, starting from the small scholastic ones and the small free Friday evening bliss tournaments that we have for our club players, all the way to invitationals and national tournaments. And, and I really can't thank enough uh, the mechanics leadership for their support, because without their support, this would not be possible. Um, Kimberly Scafano, the executive director of Mechanics Institute, Abel Talmantes, he's the chess room director, and some of the board of trustees at uh, mechanics, uh, such as Grandmaster Patrick Wolf and the FIDE master Mark Pinto. And, and others. So I'm, I'm really thankful for them. It sounds like you guys have a, a really wonderful structure out there. And that's definitely one of the things I want to get into, because I think, you know, your uh, adjustment, let's put it that way, or, or adaption to moving things into the online arena is really uh, admirable. It's, it's almost the, the gold standard in, in how it's done. And I know a lot of um, TDs and local organizers want to do that as well and, and are struggling. So some of the insights you could offer there would, would be fantastic. I'm really curious though, you know, I, I have I have sort of a, a question that I want that I want to ask you because I think it's so relevant to everything that has happened and everything that has changed. And so I'm curious, just from a, a personal standpoint, as we know the world itself has has turned upside down. You know, everything has changed um, since last March. How has Maybe not at all, maybe a little bit, maybe a lot. How has your view of chess changed in the past year, in particular in relation to competitive chess, if it has changed? What has changed? You know, what in your in your personal, you know, approach to the game or feelings about the game, if anything? I want to say it's I can answer with with the clear heart saying nothing changed because it's chess and and just let's play and let's focus on the fun and competitiveness and excitement and whether we have our club tournaments Tuesday night or whether we do a invitational like US Cadet we did. It's basically all the same and I just want to provide an amazing tournament for the players so that they have a chance. Uh, to play 
Um, on the other hand, everything changed, right? I mean, the, the whole <laughs> right. online field, there are so many different problems um, than over the board, right? So many different situations that we have to be ready and educate the players and educate ourselves. And, um, and what... Um, after having online tournaments, and I was lucky to to be a part of an over-the-board tournament in October, I felt so rusty, you would not imagine. So I told everyone... Even as a... As a do you mean as a player or as a director? No, as a director. As a director. Okay. So, Interesting. And, okay. and I'm, I'm not sure... The players didn't seem so rusty, and mostly maybe because mm. they were practicing with their teammates and, and everything, but at the same time, I feel that that will be our next challenge when we go back or over the board. Both the players will be rusty of the rules and how a tournament goes and the tournament directors and, and just touching the clock and setting the clock first time after. Everything will feel new all over <laughs> exactly. again. Exactly, and just so trivial mm -hmm. rules will you will have to think about it again or or make sure that you remember. <laughs> Why can't I pre-move in time trouble? <laughs> exactly, or or uh, what was the one of the... I can't. I don't even know. Like, but I strictly remember when I first touched the clock to set it, and it gave mm. me ninety plus thirty. I can set the clock with with closed eyes, right? But I actually had to think mm. about it. Okay, how did I do that? <laughs> uh, here you go. <laughs> right. So, yeah. What setting was it yeah, on the Kronos yeah, or whatever? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, mm. so I think, and of course, the online um, tournament. Uh, how how we organizers. Um, my main goal with every tournament um, that we put in effort is to to try to offer an opportunity for players to to play chess, to to practice chess, not get out of um, practice, and to try to to mimic over the board um, over the board situations, right? So whether that's um, being pairing the players with their USCF rating or having providing a Zoom meeting so they see each other so that they can actually see the opponents, not because of the cheating rate or monitoring fair play, but, but more so that to provide an opportunity to players to interact. So these are the things right. and, and, but, and the interaction element is another thing yeah. that I would imagine would feel, I mean, I guess rusty is the right word, right? When you, when you have that resumption of play, yeah. just being face to face from somebody, yeah. you know, a lot of my experiences as, is as a former player. And I remember feeling like if I took like a couple months off from, from a, from a tournament, right. Yeah. That I would feel, <laughs> yeah. you know, it feels a little awkward going back in and sitting down for round one. And here we are where everybody, you know, more or less, I mean, with some exceptions, you mentioned the tournament in October. We had a guest on the show who ran a state championship. I think it was last August. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but with with very few exceptions, most everybody's had like a forced imposed yes. year off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and this will be, I think, the next big challenge to solve, uh, both mm -hmm. for U.S. Um, chess community and for organizers and players is that that transition and what do we do and how do we solve the problem of uh, <laughs> underrated or, or totally out of 
Right. Uh, what is the ratings? What's yeah, going to happen to the rating exactly, system? Exactly. What adjustments are they going to make? Exactly. Uh, almost out of necessity. Yeah, exactly. And also, if we think about from a director perspective, you know, you mentioned being rusty. All of the directors who have been trying to increase their tournament director certification basically haven't had the opportunity to do that for you. Yeah. Uh, and that's it's like a pause button. That's hit, very you know? personal to us. Um, I have to tell you mm. if. if um, that's a personal story. You, you told me that mm-hmm. I, I, I can tell you something about personal Absolutely, yes. story. We want the definitive <laughs> Judith story interview. So um, it's it's very personal to me and to us because my oldest daughter, uh, Rekha, she's seventeen currently, and she's senior in mm-hmm. high school and and applying to colleges. But last March, she actually was set route to become a national TD, provided she passed the tests and everything. But the number right. of tournaments, we, we mapped it out. And by the summer, last summer, she would have had all the requirements. So she would have been a national TD for her senior year. And that would have given her her big push on college applications and everything. And that's just mm. just stopped. And there's no substitute for that, right? So I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure others have a more major crash in their lives in the pandemic. But for us, that was a pretty big deal that there's really yeah. no substitute and everything. So we're going to both go up to ANTD very soon. But um, okay. <laughs> but uh, but that national TD title, especially for Reka, was really right. a heartbreaking um, consequence of the pandemic. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that's terrible here. You know, I think people who um, are not TDs themselves or have attempted to move up the ladder don't realize just how much goes into becoming an NTD. It's very it's very hard work, and there's a reason there aren't very many of them. Yeah, and and we rely on friends and and uh, colleagues across the nation to provide that opportunity. And kudos to Glenn Panner who who invited us last. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, last spring in the U.S. Amateur Team North, so we went to Chicago. That was our last trip before <laughs> before the nation shut down. So um, I mean, you you really tend to rely on these TDs who are friends and to provide opportunities and for organizers. So that's why partly that's why I'm bidding on these um, on these national events so that I can provide some of the TDs here locally an opportunity to earn that so that they don't have to go to the east coast where most of the nationals are so yeah yeah so if you could just give us a little bit of insight you know in the past um year what are what are some of them maybe maybe just let's pick one what's what's a major event that you worked on and um how, how did it go you know how did it go online what were the challenges what were the successes and uh if you could talk a little bit about that absolutely um it's hard to pick one so i i would not be able to go to justice there's there's really so many and 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 there are different types right so we had um mm-hmm. a, a, a gmim invitational north uh, Northern California Invitational back in June. We had uh, and that was held online. That was held online in June. So that was one of our first uh, online rated tournament. We had the high school okay. rapids, which honored uh, high schoolers last year. We I was part of the online invitationals for Barber Denker, Haring, Rockefeller, and Senior. That was fun. Um, we did 
we did club matches with with uh, St. Louis and Marshall and Charlotte that four four club rapid sort of um, that was fun and and of course uh, the Pan Ams uh, the Pan Am intercollegiate and the U.S. amateur and and but really the the most I'm most proud of are not these big. Obviously, I'm, I'm proud of every tournament we are holding, but the Tuesday night mm-hmm. marathon is is a tournament that uh, mechanics have been holding for 40 years. And so imagine when when this was in jeopardy of continuing. So right. uh, so as soon as USCF um, introduced the online rating system and let organizers submit tournaments, we started mm-hmm. right away. And we were one of the first one, I think, in the country, which Swiss is paired. And we started the games one by one and, and er- two games every Tuesday. And we had a month-long sort of marathon with eight rounds or six rounds and and that gave our club players an opportunity to sort of expect what they usually expect monday noon pairings are out for tuesday that's that's what they used to and it gave them um, a a kind of a security or kind of a what's the right word Uh, a similarity before the pandemic how it used to be and yes, the, the time control is a little shorter. We used to have gaming two hours plus uh, delay five over the board with one game. Now we have two games, gaming 35, but it gives them a good enough. That seems to be pretty standard, though. You know, a lot of events that have transitioned to or um, maybe transformed is the better word into an online event, the time control is, is typically yeah. cut a bit. Yeah. Which I think makes sense. You know, how do you how do you feel about that in terms of reducing the time control as, as it shifts to an online uh, format? I mean, it makes sense. And I try to, whenever people are asking how should they uh, plan for an online event, I always tell them, mm. know your audience. Know who you're planning right. this event to. Are you planning it for your club players and you know everyone? Then don't be mm-hmm. afraid to do what's best for them. If they like 35 or is they like gaming 60, do that because you don't have to worry about so much about fair play because you know everyone and or most of them. If you're planning a national or an open event where anyone can do, then fair play becomes an issue. So then you either have measures or if you can do the measures because it's it's not feasible for you, then do reduce the time control so that the cheating becomes a little bit less probable or harder for the players. And uh, sure. I mean, these are very general guidelines that I'm trying to help others. Um, but I think knowing the audience and know what they are looking for um, I think that's that's the most important. And listen to your players, uh, survey them, ask them, and if they give you feedback, uh, if you react to that, that's always uh, the best way. And like our example, some people said, "Gaming thirty-five, that's too fast. I can't think." And so we have a gaming sixty marathon now on Thursdays. Uh, one game, obviously we don't, don't do two games on that night. One game and we do it for five weeks and then we rate the tournament. And, and there are people who only play there because they they are either got used to longer time controls or they are not, um, they don't want to bother with, uh, with shorter time controls. So yeah, so it's, 
it's a fun fun way to do that and i'm again i'm very lucky to be able to just experiment with these and see okay is it but will it stick will it will people like it then great we can do that if not then yeah i think that you know it's it's interesting the the phrase you use there got used to right i mean there are so many things that players i think chess players are are, are creatures of habit in some ways right you know like they know the time control they like, they know the situation they like. Yeah. <laughs> Most players I know will even tell you, like, here's the tournaments I go to every year, right? I like that tournament and that <laughs> tournament and that tournament. And when they hold it, those are the ones I'm going to go to. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to try anything new. I just want to go to the ones that I know I like and are good. Yeah. So it's interesting you say that because, you know, now, of course, all of that has been turned upside down um, and you have to try new stuff. Yeah. I think. You know, you you mentioned fair play and taking some measures, some anti-cheating measures. I think that's one of the biggest hurdles to a lot of chess players who yeah. want to maybe break that mold, break out of that creature of habit behavior, right? And try something new and just, okay, you know, let's give an online event. Let's, let's get into it. Let's give it a shot. Um, we've had uh, on the show, uh, we had Isaac Steinkamp from uh, chess.com. Yes. We've had some other NTDs who, who work some major events, you know, talk about fair play. What has been your experience with, with that? You know, what, what would you say maybe to those players who are concerned about, well, when I play online, everybody's cheating because I can't see what they're doing, right? And even if they're on Zoom, I can't see the whole thing. And what would you say to the players who um, are concerned about that, who are worried about that, who have some thoughts about that? Well, it's it's a very complicated questions and question and yes, it, yes, it is. I've, <laughs> and, I've put you on the spot. Uh, no, and that's fine. Uh, and and my answer might surprise you is that I don't do anything. Uh, if they are mm. really set on on not wanting to play because of fear of fair play, I won't be able to convince them. Uh, but if they are open and ask, okay, what do you do? Then I tell them. I'm I'm a data person. I'm coming I came from a science background. I'm data crunching girl. I I um I believe the uh, in the in the power of data. And so mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I myself don't put a lot of emphasis during the game um, zoom monitoring. Yes, it's good. It's a very good tool to communicate with the players. And yes, it's a good tool of the peace of mind to provide that to the um to the players they can see their opponents mm. they can even police them all of all i care right but i'm i myself um put more emphasis of the pre-tournament education education i i specifically usually ask parents spend five minutes of your kid before the tournament to understand explain them and so they understand the consequences of cheating why yeah. it's bad mm -hmm. and they tell them it's bad because especially with kids their brain is still developing right i mean yeah. i'm catching my kids doing such a sneaky stuff that uh, am i a bad parent <laughs> no but they they just simply don't know and they try to stretch the limits right so but if i'm a, mm. I'm a if i'm a responsible parent if i tell them hey this is wrong if they do it again now i know that they actually went against you know the rules then they know the consequences so i think that's important and then the post tournament um, and i told I, I usually tell players we rely on the one and only and amazing ken regan he he has mm -hmm. been doing this for decades and his 
a quick scan, uh, which is done in an hour or a few hours, and he usually turns it around super fast. I have no idea how he does it and when he sleeps, uh, but he's amazing. That gives me a good background. Then we go and and uh, get independent reviews from grandmasters, and I'm forever in depth from, for those grandmasters who who help us out with their independent reviews. Um, and and then talk to the parents, talk to the players, and if they understand and if they um, admit and regret and they say, I'm not going to do it again, yes, second chance. I believe in second chances. Um, there's always room to improve. And that's what I'm trying to explain. Is it really that different than over the board? Did we not have any cheating over the board? Uh, yeah, so I, I was going to ask, you know, from your, you mentioned a, a data perspective, right? And approaching this from a very data-oriented place. Yeah. In your experience, you know, is it more rampant, about the same? You know, how, how much do you have to deal with in terms of, you know, what you have seen? You now have, you know, as, as we discussed, a year's worth of data. Um, what are your feelings there? Again, very good question. And but I believe my my experience is a little bit um, biased uh, mm. because of our club tournaments. Because uh, sure. we do have mechanics have a really tight community. So uh, Tuesday nights, ninety five percent of the players' name I actually met them in person. Right. So if they would risk cheating that would mean they are not welcome to mechanics anymore and that would break their hearts. So I know for a fact or, or close to a fact that they would not even consider jeopardizing that. So, but obviously there are cheating, right? Um, kids too, um, yeah. they are more tempted. Uh, and, you know, I would be lying. There's temptation is always there is the, the fact that when can you say, no, I'm not going to do this, right? I'm not going to fall for a cheap win or uh, um, a cheap help because that's going to just ruin me. And yeah. I, I like some of the uh, people's examples where they have done it before and they they tell us it haunts, it haunts them until this moment. Um, you know, there are some examples in the, in the, out in the public and, and saying, yes, I was touched at peace, but my opponent didn't see. And it, it's still, they are still reliving that moment 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So I like to tell these examples that it's not worth it because your whole, your whole chess experience and memories will be tainted. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think that's something very, very good, very well put, very good point. When you're in the moment, you're not thinking about that broader picture, right? You're just thinking about the game and the tournament. Yeah. But um, we have to, we have to remember, right? There, there's the whole, as as you said, there's the whole tight knit chess community out there, and you're a place in it. Yeah, and and for if you do like if I do a Chris tournament, I like as funny as it may sound, I like to get a thumbs up from everyone that they won't cheat. Does it make make me believe that they won't cheat? Oh, of course not, right? I mean, they, they're going to get tempted and one out of every thousand players will will do it. But but uh, if, you, if you reiterate them, if you repeat them again and again, and that's why I, like every scholastic tournament we run weekly, 
weekend scholastic online rated tournaments. I, I do emphasize to parents, I know you've done this probably 10 times before, but can you please stop and five minutes, just talk with your child that they won't cheat this weekend either because, <laughs> because we need that, um, and especially kids. Um, mm. I'm, I'm really passionate about scholastic chess. Um, probably that's why I'm on the scholastic board and I serve on the, on the scholastic council. So when it's chess, I talk mostly about kids, but of course, um, um, there's a whole chess community out there. So, you know, I'm just going to put on my uh, coach's hat for a moment, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, I used to be along with a player. I, I was a coach, and I'm not sure yeah, yeah, which know. which uh, I would identify more <laughs> more <laughs> as um, about five years ago. Anyway, you know, one of the things that I always speak with kids about. Um, in particular is is like goals for example mm-hmm. um and so like you know the goal for the tournament you know what's our goal for the tournament and i think when you shift the goal from a competitive goal to a personal goal you know there's less in a sense there's less at stake in a way right like you're not saying oh your goal is you have to get second place or gain 50 rating points or this or that you know mm-hmm. our, our goal is we're going to try to make good moves you know yeah. So for each game, we're going to try to make good moves. We're going to try to remember some of the things we've been working on and some of the com- concepts. We're going to try to implement some of those. Yeah. Um, and when a position comes up that's tough, we're going to try to remember how to navigate a tough position. You know, what are some of the, the clues that we look for? Um, and I think, you know, the ability to shift that focus away from strictly competition and framing it in a sense of, uh, you know, there there are there are other goals that you can achieve this weekend beyond a trophy, right? (laughs) I think that helps. I really do. You know, I think it helps in terms of, um, you know, I I guess the reason, the reason I bring this up is I, I, I I imagine it's similar to the conversations that the the parents are having with the players, right. You know, about um, playing honestly and and playing fairly, you know, having, having those goals in mind as well. Um, what, What do you think about that? Do you think there's an element, a competitive element that may, impact or influence you know players who might be tempted to not play fairly oh there are so many reasons that can happen and i've heard i heard quite a few i mean yes competitive elements um Yes, showing up in front of my peers, right? Mm. Oh, my my parents really want me to to gain rating points and things like that. I mean, these are just the common ones. Uh, yeah, I always like to tell kids learn from your mistakes, uh, mm. and and even if you lose a game, just go over the game and learn from the game. You're not losing a game; you're learning from a game, right? So you can either win a game or learn from a game. Either way, you're win, winning. Um, so yeah, try to defocus on the the losing part and and focusing on chess as a tool to to gain experience gain uh, learning um, opportunities and just life itself like and I, I tell kids um, that going through a rough tournament and and being able to play through a rough tournament where you lose all your games and yeah. still go home that will teach you 10 years from now you're not going to yep. give up one of your projects that failed first time right that's so fascinating if, you say that because something i say and i apologize for cutting you off but 
something I say to, to, to young players all the time is, you know, the most important skill you can learn in chess is how to recover from a loss. You know? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's so true, especially at tournaments. Uh, anyway, just wanted to agree with what you're saying. Please go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And and just uh, keep reminding them how that, you know, it's it, is it really different than you having a bad week or, or us having a bad week? And right. we just have to power through and, and look at the the end goal that, yeah, I want to be a better player. If your end goal is to get a title, then then you have to go through these, right? If, mm-hmm. if my goal is to be an, a national TD, then I have to go through these, these harder tournaments that right. learn and, and, and make those mistakes because if I don't make mistakes, I'm not going to be a better TD. So I, I, I always like to uh, tell personal stories for the kids because they can relate a lot more, but um, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure every coach knows this, so <laughs> I'm not telling anything, anything new still. So. You know, I think it's good. Um, you're right. I, I think that is something that uh, a lot of co- a technique a lot of coaches will use. But one question I get a lot, um, and I don't know if it's just my position within the office or having been an experienced coach or, or et cetera, mm-hmm. is just, you know, how do you get started, right? And I think it's good to hear an experienced director and, and someone who works with a lot of players such as yourself, you know, state, state these things. Because to you and I, they may seem almost like stating the obvious, right? But yeah. when you're just starting off, there, you don't you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't, you have you have a blank slate almost, and you know to hear us sit here and talk about relating a personal story to a player or um, recovering from a bad tournament, you know, those are auxiliary things that are are almost intuitive in a way, but you may not think about them as a point of focus when you're just starting off, right? Yeah. And I and I think that's so crucial to re, to remember, right? This is a human game. There are human elements to it, and um, you know, as, as we keep that in mind, it, it it begins to show clearly where the the focus points are, right? When you're having those conversations, or um, when you're helping a player along through their chess journey. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But it's actually at the end of the day or week, I tell them it's it's wonderful to see you guys online and play mm. every single week or every other week. Or, or uh, if you haven't played for a month and I see a name coming back, I, I'm so happy. And and that's what we are doing it, right? That's why we are doing this. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned in our, in our pre, pre-recording conversation, you mm-hmm. know, you mentioned why is it important for kids and adults to continue participating in these online rated tournaments? Yeah. You, you feel pretty strongly about that. So where, where do you land on that? You know, what, what are your thoughts there? I I do feel pretty strongly and and this is an easy question for to answer for me because mm. I feel strongly that that parents and players should encourage their kids and and themselves to play online. Um if they are having second thoughts about because of fair play, I won't be able to convince them probably. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if they haven't tried it and if they have a willingness to try it, go and try it because the practice that you're getting is so, uh, it's, it's just unmeasurable how much practice you can get and just not get out of practice. So I always like to say an example of Kyron Griffith. Kyron is is a FIDE master aiming mm-hmm. for international master and he's been playing online chess every single week he's been in our tournaments he's playing probably every day but he's not shy playing these longer games and 
get in practice, right? Okay. And get in shape and staying in shape, right? Mm. And and he went to Charlotte and got his firm I am norm first I am norm the, a few months ago and or maybe it was early January actually. So uh, he's a prime example of 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 why it's worth it to put in the time and energy to play online because because you are going to be such a advantage you're going to have such an advantage once we come back to over the board a little less and, a little less rusty at the very <laughs> least right yeah exactly and yes it's different but chess is chess uh, your vision your your positional knowledge and everything all of these buzzwords that i can throw out which i don't <laughs> Obviously, don't really understand. I'm not no, I mean, a really you're, good you're chess right, player. But I mean, you're right. Those fundamentals are things that you can still practice even in an online game. We're very lucky in that regard, right? I mean, you can't go shoot free throws on your computer, right? You can't yeah. go. Uh, you can't go take take a uh, take a few penalty kicks on your computer, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. We're very lucky. Yeah. You can go do a checkmate on your computer. You know, you can go play yeah. a Sicilian opening on your computer. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah. So chess is is lucky in terms of sports. Uh, mm-hmm. There aren't that many sports out there who were able to practice uh, throughout the really hardcore right. shutdown. So it's it's really nice. So so that's why I feel very strongly to, for kids to stay in shape, practice, uh, come to classes, come to the weekend club, go to the free tournaments. Um, those are not USCF rated for us. I always try to push them to go to USCF rated. Mm-hmm. Some say, well, online rating is not a real rating. I said, well, it might not be over the board rating, but it's a rating and you can actually see where you are yeah, you compared to others. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I was really grateful how US just um, acted so fast uh, about and, mm-hmm. and bring out these uh, online ratings. I think that was a crucial key step uh, to 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 save US chess and survive in this pandemic, it was it was really really nice and yeah. And I was so lucky and honored to be a part of the online play task force and and grateful for the delegates to to vote <laughs> vote. And we are we now have a online online play rules. Yeah, which is really really cool. 10. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's that's huge. I. I I think now FIDE realized it too, so they they have it. But can you imagine that we were we were ahead of FIDE? I mean, that's that's really showing you how 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 important things. Yeah, in that in that, that regard, US chess I think we were very proactive, and it was really neat to see both you know the governance structure, the delegates, and and our experienced individuals such as yourself on the task force pulled together so quickly to to pull that yes. off. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I might be dating myself a bit here, but you were talking about online ratings. You know, I remember when U.S. just had one rating, you know, (laughs) you had your rating. There was no blitz rating. There was no rapid Uh rating. It was just like, no, this is your rating. Right. And then we established a blitz rating category and a rapid rating category. And, you know, I actually think I, I side with you. I think it's a good thing, and I think it's neat that you can compete in different rating categories. You know, I really do. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that. And, you know, for example, I don't think I'd want an online game affecting my regular rating. You yeah. know, I have, uh, <laughs> I've got four kids yeah. running around my house. There's no <laughs> way I'm as strong of an online player 
playing from home where I'm going to be distracted every five minutes <laughs> than I am in an over-the-board tournament where I, you know, I can focus, everything's quiet. So I, I for one, am actually very thankful we have these extra categories because yes. it, it, it makes it a little more relaxing, you know? Like if I'm playing an online game and one of the children runs in and asks for help or, you know, just wants to sit on the lap or whatever it may be, it's like, okay, fine. Who cares, right? You know, it's just an yeah, online rating. Exactly. That's fine. Look, dad's going to move the night now, you know? <laughs> like, what's the yeah. big deal? So um, I, I actually think it's a, it's, a, it's a great thing we have them there. And I'm, I'm really thankful that I don't have to worry about uh, my carefully curated regular rating being impacted <laughs> by a 15-minute game on chess.com. You know? Yeah, exactly, and and I that's exactly what I'm telling others too. That mm. if play online chess, have it rated or have play an online rated tournament because it gives you a sense of where you are, yeah. and you can see your own progress and and compare yourself to others online. But don't you don't have to worry that it's going to affect your over the board. And yeah, exactly those distractions. And it's funny because after the U.S. amateur team. Uh, end of January, we saw such a uh, really good connection between players over the Zoom and said, well, we, we actually stopped and say, well, should we have Zoom uh, sort of requirements for our Tuesday night marathons to give the players that ability to see each other? But then we got a feedback from players that Nope, there's no way Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. I'm able to be in a quiet room. <laughs> I have my kids running around. I'm happy to play. But um, yeah, and the same, same here. So I think uh, regard going back to the fair play, right? If you know your audience and right. you know their circumstances, then you can make these educated calls. And Zoom is not necessarily required, especially if you have a good mean of communication. Um, you know, if you have a title at stake, that's a whole other story. Sure. You know, you don't give out titles without without uh, a proper Zoom monitoring and and proper. Care, of course, so, yeah, of course, yeah. 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 No, nobody but wants yeah. the uh, the the um, massive interruptions on the Zoom camera, <laughs> but uh, of course, yeah. you've got to have it for the more serious events. So, yeah. Judith, I have I have two more questions for you. One of them, I hope you don't mind if you'll indulge me. It's a fun question. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe you have. Maybe you have seen this. Maybe not. Uh, but since you're from Hungary, I have to ask: Have you seen any of uh, Peter Leko's? Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that right. Commentary um, <laughs> on some of the top level events, and how do you feel? Oh, about have it? I? Oh, I love Peter. Me oh, too. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, oh great. my god. The, the the last one was the the <laughs> whatever. What it, what was it? Kingi one, Kingi two. Yes. Right? Yes. Right. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. No, he's hilarious and he's really, really great. Um, I, I love Peter. Uh, he's good. He's really good. I also, I, I have my favorite, my favorite Hungarian player. Obviously, Judith Pogar is Sure, is she's done icon. some commentary too this past year. Yes, yes. Uh, but uh, uh, Rapport, uh, Richie, Richie, Richard Rapport is, right. is my personal favorite Hungarian player. He's He has such a good potential and, and I'm kind of hoping he will he will come back strong after the pandemic so he's <laughs> always very first. exciting to watch if, if you follow his games you know you're probably in for a treat whatever happens yes and and the, in hungary we call him r2 because <laughs> richard R. so he's he's our r2 he's our r2 so he's your he's your daring droid running off into yeah exactly the right, okay. <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> hopefully the star wars fans are with us on that one okay 
Um, yeah, and then <laughs> everyone else is like, what are these guys talking about? Um, okay. And then finally, last question. This is something that I've asked uh, all of our senior level experienced TDs who have come on the show. And so I would, mm-hmm. I would love to get your input on this too, if you're willing to offer it. What advice would you have for a director who's just starting out or in, in, in this case, an organizer who's just starting out? Um, if, if, if they were to ask you, hey, you know, tell me what to do. You know, what's where do I begin? What where what's my what's the best advice you could give me? What would you say to them? Well, a couple of things. Um, I would say I, I want to ask, where are you? Do you have a chess club and things like that? But if if an organizer wants to organize, start organizing tournaments, or if a club, uh, if a TD wants to start going down the club i'm very proud of the work that we did with the clubs committee we have a, a handbook for successful clubs that basically gives you a guideline how to open up club and how to start um, doing tournaments and how to organize tournaments so that's one thing that you have to have players in order to do these things if you want to do it locally so start a chess club um, get affiliate status at US Chess, and and then you can start to do small tournaments. Mm. The second advice I always give them: I still remember my first tournament. How I was so nervous, butterflies in my my stomach, and I was alone. It was a small tournament, but I had to pair and I had to make sure it's it's nerve wracking, but you have to go through and force yourself to go through because then after that it's it becomes easier every time. And the third one is, um, which actually we are starting to, hopefully we'll be able to um, ask the executive board if they are interested in this, have a mentor system for for club organizers and TDs. Mm-hmm. Um, reach out to those around your area because I'm so lucky and and this is an incredible community that we have both organizers and the TDs um, you're learning from others uh, you have pick a mentor get, get get some friends and and visit their tournaments there's no better thing to to learn from from an experienced TDs and I, for one, have learned the most from John McComsky. He's, okay. mm-hmm. he's a national TD up in Sacramento, and and the calmness and the thoroughness that he's organizing and and he's he's TDing is just it gave me a, a wow a two lot fantastic of, adjectives there calmness and thoroughness I love that I mean that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what you want in your TD right exactly and and he also is a high school teacher and has a very deep voice so he's like <laughs> that's what you want in your high school teacher too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah so uh, so find someone and in every area that you live in any area you live in the US I can guarantee if you reach out to uh, to you or to me or anyone can direct you to the to a person who is open and 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 really really um open to mentoring um i you know i know st louis has a lot of uh, glenn penner in the chicago area mm. uh, up in washington florida new york has a bunch of tds and and especially now online there's so many uh, there are online organizations so 
reach out to them and say, hey, I want to learn more. And and then you learn a little bit about tournaments and, and things. So don't be afraid to make that first step of asking for opportunities and then it will come and it will happen because it's so much fun. Yeah, that's. I think that's fantastic advice, and um, it it echoes some of the things that that other experienced TDs have shared. Um, yeah, and I think will be very useful to to those who want to make you know those uh, incursions into the chess world, if you will. Yeah, so, and we we need more TDs and we need more we organizers do. because uh, um, I mean mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a it's a tough tough job you have to keep continuously um improve yourself uh, not just sit in and okay i now i have my title i know everything no every <laughs> every tournament there's something new i'm learning so uh, it's it it also keeps you on edge and um, in terms of in a good edge <laughs> in terms of keeps you on your toes that's the expression exactly yes right, right. <laughs> so it's good um keeps you uh, sharp and and um, let those brain cells work a little bit more than usually they are during the day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, Judith, thank you for sharing that, that knowledge with us. Uh, this has been a lot of fun and it's been wonderful to talk to you and hear your, your, your thoughts and, and your input. Um, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and I can't thank you enough for helping me uh, go out with a bang on this final episode <laughs> of the tournament life season. Yeah, I, I'm look forward. I'm looking forward to returning to over the board. But until then, I urge everyone to find a lo- find an online organization and and just start playing chess online if you haven't Absolutely. <laughs> already. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll be back in April for a new season. And probably if everything goes according to plan, fingers crossed, we'll have an update on the 2021 Candidates Tournament as well. Um, until next time, this is your host, Pete Karianis, here with Judith Stare. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Chess Underground, a U.S. chess podcast. Please check out our entire suite of podcasts, which release every Tuesday, and include Ladies' Night with Jen Shahad, as well as Chess Life cover stories and One Move at a Time with Dan Lucas. U.S. Chess would like to thank Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media for a podcast production and editing. If you are starting your own podcast, visit www.sevenseasonfilms.com for consulting, production, and editing. Until next time, signing off, Pete Karyanis. <laughs>